Hey, listen, today we're going to dive into a new series we're going to talk about over the next few weeks called Getting Out of the Boat. And I'm going to talk to you about what that means over the next couple weeks. We're going to have something different every single week. We got Unhindered next week coming to lead some worship and do some other things. We got, man, we just got a lot of elements coming over the next few weeks. So I promise you this you don't want to miss. One week, and you don't want a friend to miss one week over the next several weeks of our ministry. Because right here in 210 High School Ministries, we're going to have a lot of fun. We've got a lot of different things coming up. And so just get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we're going to be talking a lot about Peter. And when Peter, when Jesus looked at Peter and he said, come on, get out of the boat, that there, was a, there was a decision Peter had to make. And there was a, probably a lot of fear. Anybody fear anything in this room? Like you, there's something you're scared of? Like if I released a snake in the room, how many of you would freak out? I would. Like I'd be like a little schoolgirl. Ah! You know, just freaking out about a I just, I mean, I hate snakes. Some of you probably like despise spiders. Or, you know, there's just something that you fear. Or maybe there's other fears. When I was your age, ninth, really, I mean 12th grade and be, below, I had the greatest fear of roller coasters. Like, I was a little schoolgirl, man. I, I would cry before I got on them, and I was the biggest wuss about roller coasters. And, and it just scared me. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's that I didn't have control. I love having control, and I, there's no control. You're just sitting in this box, and it's throwing you around, and you're doing loops and stuff. And what happens if something messes up on the roller coaster? Think about it. What happens if something messes up? Like, what if you're going through that loop, and it just messes up, and you just fall, free fall, doing like 70 miles an hour, and you land on your head, and it crushes you? Wouldn't that be horrible? And so, I mean, it's just like, man, that would be like the worst experience ever. So I was afraid of it. And then my friends and I, for our senior trip with student council, all the student council officers got together, and we thought, hey, we're going to take a senior trip together. So we worked with our student council, and, and just the officers decided we would go. And so we, we go on a cruise. We go on a, a Carnival cruise line. We're cruising, going down. We stopped in Tampa Bay. I forget. I think we left New Orleans and went to Tampa, then went to Cozumel and Grand Cayman and a couple other places. And it was a lot of fun, but the first place we stopped was Tampa. Well, we, before we got to Tampa, we spent a day out, which I don't understand how, because we didn't, like, go out. We had to come back in kind of stupid, but we, we came and we spent a day on the boat. Well, a day on the boat, we were eating dinner. It's just a group of guys eating dinner together. Well, away from us was a group of girls eating dinner together. And so, like any guy in this room would think, hmm, pretty girls, studly guys. I think we're going to try and meet these ladies. So we sent them over, uh, like they had some fries and stuff, so we sent them a bottle of ketchup because we weren't, couldn't send them a bottle of wine or something like that. It's romantic. So we sent them a bottle of ketchup with our, with our room number on it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I know. I mean, we didn't do anything bad, so don't get any bad connotations in your mind. But, but we're just trying to connect with these, these ladies. So we hooked up with them, got to know them, and uh, not like hooked up in y'all's term, like hooked up in my term back in the, the 90s, okay? I keep blowing that word because back in my day, hooked up meant like you hung out. Your days hooked up meant like you hooked up. And so I'm not talking like that. But so we got with them and hung out and had a good time. And, and we're, we're hanging out with them at Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida. And at the time, there was a roller coaster called the Montu Roller Coaster. The Montu in 1997, when I graduated high school, in 1997 was the largest inverted roller coaster there was. 
And now inverted roller coasters are all over, man. Roller coasters, man, it's just, it's unbelievable what they're doing. But it was the largest inverted roller coaster. Well, all these girls and all my friends were like, let's ride it. Let's get on the front, front. And, and you know, I'm trying to be cool. And I'm trying to impress the girls. And I'm like, yeah, let's go get on. Hey, I got to go get a Coke. Y'all get in line. If I'm not back, I'll ride it with you next time. And I, I mean, I could take a long time to get a Coke. And uh, they were like, no, stay here. We're going to get in line. And like, I'm about to cry. But I'm trying to keep my man, manness about me. Manness, is that a word? And so I, I'm trying to, trying to keep it up. The whole time, everybody's just begging me, ride, 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 ride. And I'm, I am scared. I'm just being honest with you. Most of y'all wouldn't be this honest in front of 500 high school students. I'm just being honest. I was scared. Like, I was about to cry. I was. And it's not like I'm a crier, like I'm a boohooer all the time. I was about to cry. And all, I, but I wanted to impress everybody with me. And this, this isn't like a peer pressure lesson I'm teaching today. I'm just telling a story. And, but we get in the front of the line. I get on the front of this Montu roller coaster. And the whole time, I'm like gripping, like hanging on. And like, got the, you ought to see my picture. I should have bought it. And I, I'm like, Aah! that's all I did the whole time. And I get off, and it's done. And I'm like, that was awesome. Let's go again. And it just broke my fear. Something about that moment destroyed every fear I had of roller coasters. And now I will ride them anytime, any place, anywhere. I'll go backwards. I'll go forwards. I'll do any of it. Something about that broke my fear. But here's what I learned about myself. It is there are a lot of fears in me. I have a lot of fears. And when I, when I fear something, it, it all reverts back to something. Something's keeping me from taking a step. Something's keeping me from going to the next level. Something is holding me back. And that's what fear does to you, students. Fear holds you back. Jeremiah could have stood in that little master craft, a.k.a. old boat. And uh, we were trying to pretend it was an old boat. But he could have stood on the side of that boat he was in, and he could have got too scared to jump in the water in, cold, in the cold. Or think of Peter. Y'all just get real creative with me for a minute, all right? Let your minds work. Think of that day like Jeremiah was describing in the video. A storm, not just your average storm. I'm talking about a storm in the middle of the sea. Waves taller than you can see over, just huge waves dipping down, and your boat just rocking back and forth. The disciples, listen, they knew boats. Peter was a fisherman. He had been stuck out on the water many a times in many of storms. Peter was there. He had experienced it, yet in this moment he was scared. It must have been a big storm. Could have been a hurricane coming through for all we know. But it was a big storm. And here they are, the storm's coming. And they look and they're trying to figure out and they're trying to get tell everybody, do this, do that, put the cell up, put it down, put this there, put this there. And they're shouting out orders at each other. You could just imagine, put yourself in the movie theater watching this happen. We all love going to the movies. So put yourself there watching it happen. And in the movie theater, picture yourself watching this huge storm. And then out in the distance, you see this figure walking towards you. And the disciples doing all kinds of stuff. And then somebody looks up and says, oh my gosh, look, there's a ghost coming. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 that they thought Jesus was a ghost. Verse 49 says it. They thought he was a ghost. They're scared. They're freaking out. 
And then you know what Jesus does? It says this. It says, watch this, but when they saw him walking on the water, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said, I am here, don't be afraid. It says a little bit before that, that he almost passed them by. Stop, everybody just look at me real fast. I don't want you to miss that. I I just said something to you you need to hear. He almost passed them by. If you want to write a little note down this morning, I'd write this. You must recognize God's presence. When Jesus is coming in the midst of a storm, you must recognize his presence. Because we all have storms in life, students. Every single one of us enter in a storm. And in the midst of a storm, we must recognize God's presence. Even when we're scared. We must recognize the presence of God. Here's things we do. Instead of recognizing God's presence, we either trust in the world, you guys, me, myself, the other adults in this room. Listen, we're all in the same boat. We either trust in the world, we trust in ourselves, or we trust in God. And in the midst of a storm, you say, Brian, what are storms in my life? Maybe it's a divorced family. Many of you's parents have faced a divorce, and you went through it with them. That's a storm. Maybe it's a breakup. Don't raise your hands or say anything, but anybody in here ever had an emotional breakup? Maybe that girl broke up with you, or that guy broke up with you. Or maybe you're in the middle of it right now, and late at night when you're laying in your bed, it's around midnight, and you're thinking, I mean, you're crying, then on the other end, you're mad, then on the other end, you're thinking, I need to talk to somebody, you're getting advice from one friend, and she's telling you to do this, and your next friend's telling you to do this, you understand what I'm saying? It's like, uh, it's just this tragedy in your life. And it's this love triangle that that you seem to think that you've gotten yourself caught up into. And some of you see that as a tragedy. Some of you, that's your storm. I don't know what your storm is. Here's my question. Listen to it. In the midst of the storm, do you recognize God's presence? These men almost missed God's presence. They almost missed Jesus walking. Do you recognize God's presence in the storm. Once you recognize his presence, you have to be willing to make history. Anybody in here want to make some history? You want to be read about? You want to be talked about? Listen, everybody loves popularity, right? And there's nothing wrong with popularity. I'm not going to stand in front of you and tell you, go be your class nerd. I'm not going to encourage you to do that. Because I don't think anybody's really a class nerd. Everybody has a realm of influence. If we wanted to spend some time talking about leadership today, everybody has someone that follows them. Do you know that? Everybody. You might consider yourself to not be so popular in your school, but I guarantee you there's people that follow you. You might consider yourself to be the most popular or the greatest athlete or the prettiest girl or the best cheerleader or the best best dance team or the best in the band or this or that, whatever. You might consider yourself to be the best or the worst, but the bottom line is everybody has somebody that follows them. Everybody. My question is, how are you making history on your school campus? How are you making history in Seven Lakes High School? How are you making history in Cinco Ranch High School? What will they remember you by? What will they remember you by at Maid Creek? What will they remember you by? Will they remember that you were just some really cool kid? Listen, students, every one of you will graduate, and you can just graduate as another statistic. 
You can graduate one out of whatever in your class. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. You were number one. You're the, I mean, you're the smartest kid in class. Great. You still got to prove yourself. You know what? You graduated last place in your class. Bless your heart. But you know what? That's okay. You know what? People are going to remember you because you dated more girls than anybody else. <laughs> Woo! Man! Let's go. You're going to be a CEO one day. Maybe you're going to be remembered. How are you going to be remembered? People get remembered for all different things. I mean, you think of people who are making history. You think of people who are doing things. Think of Tiger Woods. Anybody not know who Tiger Woods is? Man, yeah, see, you obviously know. Otherwise, you wouldn't ask the question. Everybody probably knows. You know Tiger Woods. If you don't know, now you should. He's a golfer. If you couldn't figure that out by looking at the screen, then, well, We'll talk later. But, but he's a golfer, okay? Tiger Woods has made history. You know, somebody else is making some incredible history right now in today's culture is our dear friend, Britney Spears. I mean, who doesn't talk about her right now? I mean, she is about to make incredible history in 2008. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be good history. She potentially, that's the best picture we could find of her. And, uh, and, and so... But because, you know, she's kind of, she's like Michael Jackson kind of changing a lot of time. And but, the, but she is, uh, she's making all kinds of history. She's making it. I mean, she is making history. She's on every tabloid you look at. You go in the grocery store and look to your right on the way you check out or look to your left on the way you check out. You know what? Every magazine has Britney Spears, something about her. Now, they might be making it up. Probably not. But it's there. Or you take Michael Jordan. He's an old has-been basketball player is all Michael Jordan is. Just a has-been. Played back in the day. He was only one of the best, if not debatably the best basketball player to ever go through history. Some would debate that. Say maybe Kobe stepping in his place. Or maybe LeBron James is going to beat them all. Or this or that. It's all debatable. But you know what? He made history. So what happens with this, students? What happens if we start flashing up pictures from your high school of students? What happens if I took your picture? Follow me. What happens if I took your picture? What happens if I put Jeff up on the screen? And what would I say, be saying on this stage about Jeff? What would I be saying about you if I put your picture up on this screen? What kind of history are you making? Would we all be laughing about the history you're making? Although, man, it seems cool. I mean, you're popular. I mean, man, you got it all together. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, hey, you, you know, I just don't understand this Christianity thing because sometimes in the midst of it, you think all these people out there partying and getting drunk and doing drugs and this and that, they are having so much more fun than I am, and it looks like they got it all together. Here's what you don't see. You don't see them weeping in their bedroom. You don't see the pain inside their heart. Man looks at outward appearance of Scripture says, but God looks in the heart. If I put your picture on the screen, what would I be saying about you? If I put those other 11 disciples up on the screen, I would be saying nothing about this story. If it makes you feel any better. Nothing. You know why? Because they didn't do anything. Only Peter. Just like Jeremiah described, so perfect in that video. Just like Peter, when Peter said, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, I think Peter is just being a punk to Jesus, like trying to punk him. Hey, Jesus, if that's really you, 
Tell me to come to you. I want to be on the water. I want to do what you're doing. I want to be out of this boat. I want to be in the water. And in Matthew 14, 29, Jesus says this. Come on. you imagine the breath Peter took? The huge waves next to him. Disciples telling him he's crazy. And yet he says, here I come. To make history, you must be willing to get out of the boat. I know a student. His name's Stephen. I met Stephen when he was a 10th grader. Stephen had a, is an incredible heart for the Lord. He played football for a school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Union uh, is the name of the school in Tulsa. Incredible football team. They've been ranked top in the nation for many, many years. Played football for him. He's a very popular kid on a school campus. But I'm never, I, I mean, it's hard to find a teenager that loved God more than Stephen. Stephen, one time in our student ministry, I gave away a car. Y'all want to do that sometime? That'd be cool. The, all of you got cars, though. The, uh, but I, I gave away a car, a 96 Ford Mustang. I gave it away. It was red, and uh, it was a nice car. It was kept up really, really clean. I gave this, I think it was a 96. It might have been a 2000. I forget. But anyways, I gave away a car. It's a big difference, isn't it? I gave away a car. And what I was doing to give away this car was kind of like we're doing for the next several weeks in our student ministry, every time you come, you get your name in a hat, and we did this big drawing at the end. Well, Stephen, what he did, he didn't care about the car. And he'll tell you I didn't care about the car. He had every one of his football boys come in our church. He had every single student at his school knowing about our church. We were a youth ministry that had started one year ago with seven students. Seven. That's not a youth ministry. That's a small group. Your home groups are larger than that. All right? So cut your home groups in half on Wednesday night that all of you need to be a part of. Cut those in half, and that was my youth group starting out. This was one year into it. We were running about 120 students. He had every single student. I could walk in a, in a in Union High School. It's a high school. It's 11th and 12th grade is what they consider high school. There are over, over 2,000 students per grade. So there's 4,000 students in this school of 11th and 12th graders. Big school. Big school. I could walk on that school campus and know tons of students. You know why I knew tons of students? Because of one kid. One. One student that when Jesus said, come, he stepped out of the boat. We watched that youth ministry grow to over 200 students within a year and a half. You know why? Because of Stephen. Because of a guy named Jared. Jared, he went to a school in Catoosa, Oklahoma. It's like Redneckville. And, uh, but you know what? He brought a friend. That friend gave his life to Christ. He and that friend went after two more people at their school. Those two students came, gave their life to Christ. They went after more students. We were running from one point. We had one student from Catoosa High School. By the time I left, we probably had 20 students from Catoosa High School within two years because of one kid. One. One who got a passion for his friends. They said, I'm going to accept the challenge. I'm going to take on the task. I'm going to do it. When Jesus says, get out of the boat, I'm jumping in. And if I walk, I walk. If I sink, I know he'll save me. It doesn't matter what storm I face. I'm not going to trust the world. I'm not going to trust myself. I am going to trust God. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it seems, 
Listen, there's a lot of difficulty in trusting God sometimes. Ask someone that lost a loved one. A good friend of mine, his name was Miles. Miles was in the 11th grade. He called me one night. Tyler, you can go ahead and come back up. I'm almost done. Miles called me one night. And Miles was crying on the phone. He, he was very, very emotional. And I said, Miles, what's going on? And he said, my dad's choking. I said, your dad's choking? He said, yeah, I, I was just wrestling with my dad on the floor, and now he's choking. I said, what do you mean he's choking? I said, have you called 911? He said, yes, we've called 911. They're pulling up right now. And so why 911 is pulling up, I said, I said, hey, Miles, let me pray for you. And we prayed over the phone. And I said, what hospital are they taking your dad to? I will meet you there. I'll leave my house right now, and I'll try and beat the ambulance there. And so he told me uh, the, the hospital they thought he was going to, but then they changed, and so I didn't beat them there. But, but Miles is just crying on the phone. I'm praying with him on the phone. And then he gets off the phone. He takes care of his dad, gets in the ambulance, drives all the way to the hospital with his mom, his sister, his brother, and, and his dad, choking. I get to the hospital. I went to the wrong one at first, and so that was a fiasco. And then I drive to the next hospital, and I go to the front, and I say, I'm here to see. And I said, who I wanted to see. His name was Dan. I said, I'm here to see Dan. They said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Brian Mills. I'm the youth pastor uh, at their church. I'm here to be with them uh, during this time. And they said, the family's been waiting on you. And I said, okay. So they took me to this room, kind of back in the corner of the emergency room. I'll never forget it till the day I die. The closer I get, the louder it got. And all I heard was, God, why? Why, God? Why? That's all I heard. And I walk in this room to weeping. And his mom looks at me and said, we lost him on the way. We lost him. And we sat there in that ER and we cried. His sisters and brothers, they, they weren't necessarily strong in their faith. They were struggling with why God would take their dad. He wasn't, listen, he wasn't supposed to die. Miles was wrestling with him in the floor, just hanging out with his dad. And his dad fell over and passed away that day. I'll never forget Miles' response. I've taken him with me places I speak at, camps and retreats before, and I'll have him share the story. Miles could have blamed God, and he had every right, although it's not God's fault. But in the world of sin, sometimes we think it is. Miles could have said, you know what? I'm done with this church business, man. I love my dad, and he loved his dad. I'm talking his dad was his hero. He could have said, Brian, I just can't do it anymore. My dad and I went to church together. His dad helped in our youth ministry. But instead, he said, I'm going to love God, and I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to rejoice that my dad is now standing before a living God. I might not understand why, but he is. He's standing there. And I'm going to use it as an opportunity to win my friends of Christ. He went back to his school campus. 
And he began to tell people about his story. He's traveled with me and he's told his story. He got out of the boat. It's one of the toughest circumstances he would ever have to climb out of. It's a whole lot easier to face the temptation at a party than it is for him to lose the life of his father. But he said, I'm going to stand for God and God alone. That's it. If I put his face up on that screen, I'd be talking about people we want to the Lord. If I put Stephen's face up on that screen, I'd be talking about people we want to the Lord. If I put these other names, I put a boy named Landon up on the screen, I'm going to talk about how in Fort Smith, Arkansas, I want people to the Lord. I'm going to talk about it. Some of you have been in my office since you've been here. And you've told me about people that you've brought to this church and have given their life to Christ. If I put your name up on that screen or I put your face, I'm going to talk about how you got out of the boat, how you invested in your friend's life, and how they are now going to one day stand before a living God in a real heaven, and they're going to rejoice, and one day you'll be standing by them. And one day you can raise your hands to a living God and you can celebrate. Why? Because on this earth, you didn't just care about popularity. You didn't just care about friends. You didn't just care about doing the church thing. Listen, I get tired of the church thing. We do it all the time. It's time we get out of our boat. Peter wasn't doing the church thing. Peter was living with Jesus. And he was willing to take a step. The disciples were just sitting there watching it happen. You know where I want to be? I want to be the one taking the step. Am I there? I don't know. Man, I'm no better than any of you. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, I live life just like you live life. I'm preaching to you as much as I'm preaching to myself. But I want to be that one, students. I want to be the one that you put me on that screen and my friend one day stands up here and he says when he went to Lake Hamilton High School in Hot Springs, Arkansas, he did this and this and this. Sure, he might have had popularity. Sure, he might have screwed up in the way he dated and and all this stuff. But you know what? He didn't give up on God. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he loved God. And we would testify to it today. Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. The beginning step to getting out of the boat is having a relationship with Jesus. That's the beginning step. You might be in this room tonight, this morning. You might have never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you say this prayer quietly to yourself? Say this prayer quietly to yourself. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, in the best way I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. I promise to never, ever, ever be the same again. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. Nobody looking around. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Before we go any further, nobody looking around. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, would you connect eyes with me and just keep looking at me for a moment? If you just prayed that prayer, just keep looking at me for just a moment. You meant it with all your heart. Just keep looking. You meant it with all your heart. Amen. Just keep looking at me for a minute. Don't let me miss you. Amen. You meant it with all your heart. Just keep looking at me for a minute. Meant it with all your heart. Amen. Bye. Y'all meant it with all your heart. Amen. Praise the Lord.
all your heart. You meant it. Don't let me miss you. If you're looking at me, I, I don't want anybody looking around because I, I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I want you to know you made the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And I don't mess around with decisions to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not a joke to me. It's something serious, and it should be serious to you. It doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. I'm not going to stand here and tell you you will. But I'm going to stand before you and tell you you made the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life, and you're starting a journey. And that's what our church is for, is to help you along that journey, plugging you into home groups, getting you here to let you worship and experience God on a whole new level. But I want to do something to help you this morning. So if you're looking at me and you gave your life to Christ, nobody else looking around, I want you to stand to your feet and walk right back to the back. Jeremiah is right back in the back, right back here in the black. So if y'all would just stand to your feet and walk right back here, he's going to have you fill out some stuff. And we want to get you information to help you in your journey. So right now, nobody else looking around. There you go. Amen. There you go. Just stand up and walk to the back, right back here. If you brought a friend this morning and your friend's with you, you can take them with you. Stand up and go right back to the back. It's not going to take long with him. Just going to encourage you. They're going to take you outside, and they're just going to have you fill out some stuff. We want to help you in that journey. Anybody else? Now let me ask you this before we finish today. Are you ready to get out of the boat? Are you ready? Are you ready to take the journey? Everybody just look at me real fast. Are you ready? Because I'll tell you this. I'm ready to go on a journey with you. I'm ready to go on a journey with this youth ministry. I'm ready to go on the journey. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go on it. Will we mess up along the journey? Yes, we will. Will we sink? And will we fall under the water? Yes, we will. Sorry, we will. But Jesus will pick us up. He'll lift us up. And he'll hold us because he is our daddy. Who's your daddy? That's stupid. That ran through my head. He is. And he loves us. So I want to pray as a ministry today. I want to pray as a high school ministry. I want us to get out of the boat in all eight or nine high schools that are represented right here in this room. Think about that. Eight or nine high schools. 2,000 students apiece in each high school. We get out of the boat. And we go for it. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for this student ministry. I thank you for a ministry that's ready to get out of the boat. I thank you for all the adults that are, that, that are ready to get something done and ready to be a part of it. I thank you for our collision groups on Wednesday night. I thank you that we have those connecting times in the middle of the week where these students can go be a part of. I thank you on Sunday mornings how we have dynamic teaching and great worship and incredible youth pastors with Jeremiah and our team and Tyler and, and Brett and Lauren and all of our adult volunteers. But God, we can't do it without these students. So let them rise up. Let them rise up. Let them take that step. Let them get on the edge. Let them be risk takers for you. I love them dearly, God, and I know you love them so much more. So I pray your blessing on them. It's in your name that I pray. 
Amen and amen. Y'all stand up. Let's celebrate as we leave today. Let's just celebrate the name of God and have some fun and leave church having a good time.